Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. The local sports, sports leader. leader. Burns and Gambo. The 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Let's get you caught up on everything going on in sports here at the turn of the Burns and Gambo show. It's time for the 4 o'clock reset. We start with March Madness. 11th seeded ASU taking on the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs in the round of 64 tonight. 705 first pitch. We'll have that game right here on the Arizona Sports app in 98.7. Sun Devil Sources Chris Cartman was on with Bickley and Murata this morning. Previewed what he called was a pretty even matchup. Ultimately, ASU has to try to play its style, its brand. It's so much what you see is the tenor of the game, who dictates that, kind of determines whether it's going to be successful or not. ASU did that really from the outset from Wednesday. And ASU's got a pretty good chance. You've got to be able to get second chance baskets or in the paint. Can't turn the ball over. Those are some of the most important keys. TCU defends well. They they get out and run well. They do not shoot the three well. That's kind of your Cliff Notes version of the Horn Frogs for tonight. No, they really like to, to pound it inside the paint. So a big game for Warren Washington. They like to get out and transition and run. They get a lot of fast break points. Um, and then you had me check on this earlier. What I'm being told is that Austin Nunez will dress. Now, he hasn't played in a month. February 18th against Utah was the last time he played. So he will dress. That doesn't mean he's going to play. But he's expected to dress for this game. His conditioning may be an issue, so may not be able to play. But but he will dress is what I'm being told. ASU is not the only Arizona team left in the tournament in about 30 minutes. 14th seed GCU will try to pull the big upset over number three Gonzaga. We'll keep you updated on that game throughout the course of the day. The rest I'm of the pulling th- for him. Let's do it. Oh, of course. I think we all are pulling for GCU. That'd be awesome. Gonzaga, that's going to be a tough out. and That's a big ask for GCU. We'll see what they can do. The rest rest of the slate today has been really chalky so far. 7th seeded Michigan State beat 10th seed USC. The 14th seed Kennesaw State was leading 3rd seeded Xavier, but Sean Miller's squad pulled it out in the end. Baylor beat UC Santa Barbara. That was a 3 over a 14. 5th seeded St. Mary's beat 12th seeded VCU. 2nd seeded Marquette's. Uh, obviously, they advanced. Uh, Pitt, there was an upset for you. They upset 6th seeded Iowa State. Creighton won. That was chalk. UConn on one that was chalk. Purdue is just getting underway against the 16th seed. Mostly chalky day so far, Gambo. All right, I had Pitt. I still got my final four intact, but I've lost two Sweet 16 teams in U of A and A&M. Yes. My I, wife actually has Xavier winning the whole thing. Does she? I have lost one Elite 8 team in A&M, but everything else is intact so far. Uh, and in the Bracket Bucks competition, right now Jarrett Carlin is leading the way here at the radio station. You and I are tied for second. Dan Bickley is tied for third along with Luke Lipinski. For those We're of you tied for second. You and I are tied for second, yes. If this were a competition, well, among, if we, this were a competition among the other shows, we'd be kicking ass and taking names right now. But that's what we do. That's what we do here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Also, more games later tonight. We'll keep you updated on those. For the Suns, they pulled out a tight one last night. Wagner, it's open. Mancaro had it blocked by a Kogi. Jo breaking out the eraser. Wow, that was a, that was a dangerous play there. 
It was a dangerous play, but the Suns sealed the game on that dangerous play way closer and tighter than anybody would have expected, but they beat the Orlando Magic to end their three-game losing streak. Josh Okoge with us moments ago on being embraced by the Suns. I feel like everybody's just embraced me um, from the coaching staff, you know, to my teammates, to the to the fans, and, you know, it just feels good to be able to, to play in front of those guys. What are the takeaways you have from last night? Yeah, I think that, I think that he's a guy that you want to look at keeping because he's he's been so good for you. He's on a veterans minimum contract. I think he's probably earned a, earned a nice pay raise too. But I think other teams will come after him. There was a lot of things about last night's game. You know, Book did not have a great game. They were able to overcome that and win. Chris Paul hit some clutch shots. Cameron Payne off the bench. That's the best we have seen of Cameron Payne. Uh, you know, Monty went with Landale over Bismack Biombo. Uh, and and like you said, hard fought game. You would you know you're looking for an easy one here or there. We could rest. Some guys, but they weren't able to. They had to go heavy minutes for their main players again. A busy day for former Cardinals speaking on the team and its players. First up, new Viking Byron Murphy Jr. He was asked about going from a team in the Cardinals who had a low NFLPA report card grade to his new team, the Vikings, who had the best grade. I would say I can tell since I've got here. Everything here is nice. I'm not going to lie. For me to come here and see how much, you know, I would say time and effort they put into this building and to their players, to the coaches, to the people upstairs just a blessing to uh, be able to come here and see that oh no i think it's free upstairs i'm good now (laughs) that's all you can eat now (laughs) you do not want to be on the wrong end of those jokes if you're the arizona cardinals you you open yourself up for that i mean if you you're the cardinals and you've got all these terrible grades and everybody's seen it now when players leave they're going to be asked about it so you know you 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 made that bed you got to lie in it you're some of your players not all of them but some of your players when they go somewhere else they're going to be asked about hey what was it like in Arizona with those terrible grades? Because here, you know, this team does a pretty good job of uh, taking care of its players. Yeah. And the retired J.J. Watt was on the Pat McAfee show today. He was asked about DeAndre Hopkins and if D-Hop would consider playing in New England, given that Bill O'Brien, his old coach with the Texans, is now the O.C. there. I think if Hop thinks he can win there, I think he would go. Like I think he is at a point in his career where he wants to have the ability to win. And so I, I think it more comes down to if he believes that that's a place where D he does have a chance to go and win. Let me tell you again, Bo, right now, I know you're working from home today. I had a feeling, and I was walking around the newsroom saying, wondering if today was going to be the day that D-Hop was going to get traded somewhere. I don't think it's going to happen. It's 4.08 in the afternoon on Friday. I think it would have happened by now. I just, I had a feeling today was going to be the day, but it doesn't look like that's the case. You know, you just, you know, we've been in this situation with players and getting traded before, and you know, especially with the Suns, was DA going to get traded? And, you know, we're there with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, we've been there with uh, with all of our teams, but you're sitting there right now and just wondering, is he going to get traded? I still expect that he will be. I just don't know when it's going to happen. We had Diamondbacks manager Troy Lovello on earlier, and he raved about the new face of the franchise, Corbin Carroll. He has a very unique ability to block out the noise, and he has a great desire to be uh, a top player by working hard and going out and performing. So he promised me that he wouldn't change his mindset that got him to this point. Yeah, I think for a couple days he probably was wondering what else he had to do. Really, the answer is nothing. He just has to be himself and go out and perform every single day. In other news, Gambo, according to you, right-handed pitcher Corbin Martin is expected to start the season on the 60-day injured list like Mark Melanson. Tell us what you know about this. Well, they're going to have two guys that are going to start on the 60-day IL. I checked on it just a short time ago. I reported yesterday or the day before that it was going to be Mark Melanson would start on the 60-day 
60-day IL, and that would open up a roster spot. And that's what you get. If you go to a 60-day IL, then you get to open up a roster spot. So Corbin Martin, same thing. This is going to be months of a recovery. And, boy, he has been injured a lot in his career, man. He has been injured a lot. Uh, he would have made the roster like he would have been on the team. But now two open roster spots that they have to fill because two guys that they were going to count on in that bullpen you know, are not going to be there for the start of the season. Yeah, Corbin Martin, of course, the key, one of the key pieces coming back in the Zach Granke deal from a couple of years ago, and that was always going to be the risk with him. So two parts of the bullpen Diamondbacks will be without, and it sounds like they will be without for a while based off of what Gambo is reporting. Around the NFL today, I'm not sure what took so long, but Jimmy G is officially a Raider. There was a little bit of a holdup in the announcement. It had led to some speculation that maybe something was falling apart. Nothing has fallen apart. Jimmy G officially signs with the Vegas Raiders. The longest tenured member of the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is seeking a trade. Offensive tackle Jonah Williams has expressed his desire to be traded, according to ESPN. It requ- the request comes after four-time Pro Bowl tackle Orlando Brown agreed to terms with the Bengals earlier in the week, and Orlando Brown wants to and will be played at left tackle. Jonah Williams thinks that's his pati- his position, and he wants out, according to reports. What is this, college? Where you want to just go into the transfer portal? I guess. I'm not happy. I want out. I'm not, I'm not happy. I want to leave. In the last year it's of his like, rookie deal. It's an interesting yeah. story, to say the least, that he's requesting a trade now because of this. Yes. It is, but he's like he's a good player, so I would imagine that there's going to be some interest in a possible trade coming up with him. Yeah, and Sacramento Kings guard Kevin Herter's MRI returned clean on his right hamstring strain. He is day-to-day and questionable for the Kings next game, so maybe not as bad as some people had thought, given how clean the Sacramento Kings have been injury-wise so far this year. God, it's amazing that that you know health is their strength, man. That, they got a lot of others, but health is a key reason why that they they've done so well this year. Yeah, no they've doubt been very it. healthy. That's your four o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, big win for the Suns last night. We all know how it ended. Who else keyed the victory? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wagner. It's open. Vancaro had it blocked by a Kogi. J.O. breaking out the eraser. Wow. That was a, that was a dangerous play there. That was EJ, Eddie Johnson, Kevin Ray, the voices of the Suns on Valley Sports Arizona with a call last night. Josh Kogi, the very risky, very rewarding block of Paolo Boncaro at the end of that game. And the Phoenix Suns end their three-game losing streak on that play, not just because of that game, or that play, I should say. But certainly that was a big part of it. Josh Kogi, despite shooting 2 of 10 from the three-point line, he had his fingerprints all over that game last night. All over it. I mean, it was just an incredible. Everybody looks at the block, but there were five plays that he made in the final five minutes of that game. It was a a nine nothing run by Orlando. Nine nothing. They tied the score uh, against the bench, and then Monty brings the starters back in, including a Koji. 
and then I was looking at and just you know as I, I as I chart these games and um, you know he comes back in he back taps a ball to Booker keeps a possession alive he hits a corner three to put him up 104 101 he draws an offensive foul on Carter Jr. for the turnover he rebounds a miss by Booker keeps a possession alive he deflects the pass from Banchero forces a turnover and then of course the block shot everybody's going to talk about the block shot because that was the end of the game but Burns there are five or six instances right there in the final five minutes of that game where he had a major impact oh there's no doubt and, and I'm only focused on the block shot I mean because it's for two reasons one it was it's so immediate right like it was such a, a play to end a game like that very rarely do you see a game end on a blocked three-point attempt and I think that leads right into number two the risk reward of a play like that is very high right like you've got to be very careful without being too careful if you're Josh Okogie on a play like that because if you foul Bancaro in a moment like that you are setting yourself up from hero to goat in a big hurry if he goes to the line and drills all three and sends the game to overtime that's one of those you know you, you just you got to know you got to know if you're a Kogi what you're doing and maintain real good control over your body so you do exactly what it is you're intending to do and not something you're not and that's a fine line to walk for a Kogi in a moment like that yeah yeah but you know what I mean he made the play I mean I he made the play but, but, but if he fouls him we're, we're both sitting here like man what are you doing Josh come on you can't foul the shooter on a three-point shot at the end of the game like that right I mean that that's how fine that line is yeah I, I get it and no, I get it I mean you know, he you're gonna you're gonna live and die with his aggressiveness defensively and you're not gonna you don't tell a player like that to to not be aggressive that that's what's got got him in this league that's what's kept him in this league that's what you know he's living off of right now his aggressiveness defensively you just got to trust him right you got to trust him and it may be a time he makes a mistake or two and it may cost him but overall I don't think you want to take away the aggressiveness that he comes to the table with I mean he he felt like he had a beat on it and he went up and he blocked the shot and I know what you're saying I mean but then if you you know, if, if you feel like you could have got a piece of the ball and you let him shoot and the three goes in and it ties it, you might be kicking yourself that way, too. You might be. Again, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have done it. It's just one of those, be careful, be careful when you do it. I thought the other guy from last night's game, especially given how unexpectedly rough that game was, you're taking on Orlando, one of the worst teams in the NBA, and they played hard, and their athleticism and their length was evident from the jump, and I felt like the Suns were chasing a lot of that game. Campaign was a bolt. Campaign was electric, I thought for them last night. Campaign gave them juice. I thought that they were really lacking in last night's game. And to me, that's really encouraging because, you know, we've been talking a lot about campaign this week. It's been a struggle for him since he came back. His reemergence is a key development for this team. It's been back-to-back good games for campaign. I need to see more, but I'm also very happy about what he's done because they really need him in a moment like that. Would you say that after the health of Kevin Durant, that that's that's it. Campaigns, campaigns oh. contributions are in the top three of what they need to win. I I think I'd put it in my top four or five. I don't know if I'd put it in my top three. I mean, I, because I I think like. DeAndre Ayton's overall aggressiveness is something I would probably put in my top three. Devin Booker's, um, well, I don't want to say health necessarily. Can they win with DeAndre not being aggressive? Um, 
No, I don't believe they can. Well, follow me here. Follow, just follow me here. And here's my, my thought on it. Okay. Is if campaign's not playing well at all, you don't have the luxury of having Chris Paul sit for you know extended period of, of times to, to get some rest and stay healthy. Yeah. And if you're going to go deep into the playoffs and play four different rounds, you know how much would you wear out Chris Paul if you can't rely on Cameron Payne? Where if you can rely on Cameron Payne, it may give you the ability to keep Chris as fresh as possible come playoff time. I'm not denying that it's important. I just don't know if I put it in my top three. Because because to me, my counter to that would be if campaign isn't effective, assuming I've got Kevin Durant back, I know he can handle the ball and initiate offense. I certainly know Devin Booker can handle the ball and initiate offense as point book. So to me, there are are other options other than campaign in that moment. Now, campaign, campaign does other stuff too other than just being the backup point guard he was as I mentioned he was the juice last night and I, I didn't get the sense other than a Kogi there wasn't a lot of juice on the floor last night for the Suns I, I thought they were kind of flat and, and didn't seem super connected to that game and I thought campaign connected them I thought campaign really brought some energy that nobody else did so that to me is important too in addition to being a backup point guard I, I just think with Aiden Nobody else can do what he does on this roster if he's playing at his highest level. Whereas campaign, I feel like there are other guys on this roster who can function in that role if he's not being effective. It's important. Don't get me wrong. I, I just don't know if I put it in my top three. I think I'd put it in my top five. Yeah, for them. it's an important development. No doubt. No it, doubt. It's it's important. There are several things that are important for this team to, you know, be able to win a championship. First and foremost, Kevin Durant coming back and being healthy and staying healthy but campaign is you know you know that that's 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 a guy that has been playing poorly yes. to the point where we've all questioned did the Suns make a mistake by not going out and getting a backup point guard that could replace campaign so for him to step his game up and play well is it's it that that's important it's it's one of the most important things maybe not the most important but one of the most important development for them going forward all right I want to pass this along because okay. this is making the rounds here um, Dwayne Rankin the first to report and and I would be as surprised Surprised about this as you want. If you're listening, if you're Gambo, if you're listening at home right right, right now, Al McCoy. This is going to be his final year as the radio play-by-play announcer on Arizona Sports 98.7 for the Phoenix Suns. The voice of the Suns told the Republic that he is committed to the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. He's recently missed 13 home games over the last four months due to health issues. But he said this will be his final year as the play-by-play announcer here on Arizona Sports. And we have confirmed, in fact, that report with the Phoenix Suns that this is going to be Al McCoy's last year wow. as the play Play-by-play announcer for the Phoenix Suns. Well, I, I, my, two thoughts come to mind. The first is just what an incredible career for him. And I know he's had some health-related issues and had to miss some games. But, man, he has been the voice of the Suns um, forever. And um, it's going to be sad to not you know, have him on broadcast because it's a joy. 51 seasons. He's going to be 90 years old next month. 90. So what an incredible career. So that's my first thought. My second thought is uh, John Bloom has been 
remarkable filling in for Al McCoy. He has been great. He is an outstanding, outstanding play-by-play voice, and I very much enjoy listening to him uh, with his passion for the game and his knowledge of the game. Um, I would imagine that 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 he gets the gig. I would imagine that it's you know that because he's been doing it, uh, and that would be a great opportunity for him because he is really really good at what he does. Yeah, I'm. I would hope the exact same thing for John Bloom. I'll just say this about Al. I mean, obviously being born and raised here. I grew up on Al McCoy. He is absolutely one of the reasons I am in this business because as a kid I wanted to be Al McCoy. Certainly when I thought about sportscasters that I that I wanted to be like Al McCoy was one of the reasons why I got into this business. I listened to the beginning of that game last night driving home and to hear Al McCoy call a game in the middle of the march against the Orlando Magic, you would have thought he was calling game five of a playoff series. I mean, every single game just like this is the most important thing in the world going on right now. His voice still had that energy, that infectious enthusiasm. It was a joy to hear him call the beginning of that game last night as if it were the most important thing in the whole wide world, and he still brings that to the table. It was great to hear, and obviously we'll have lots of time to talk about Al, but once again, a report on AZ Central has been confirmed. This is going to be Al McCoy's final year as the play-by-play announcer here on Air Arizona sports, but he is committed to the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. A lot more on this over the course of the day. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, the Arizona Cardinals and all the scenarios facing them with the third pick in the draft. What's the most likely of them? That's next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Let's update our Twitter poll questions of the day. We got a couple of them, both tournament based. As GCU's getting ready to tip off, let's turn it back over to Eric here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Rubes, what you got for us today? All right, we got to fit one of these in on the timeline. That is out of these two teams, ASU and GCU. They both play in the tournament today. GCU about to play Gonzaga. ASU versus TCU later tonight. What happens in both of those games is the question. Here are your options for answers. Option number one is ASU wins and GCU loses. Option number two, GCU wins and ASU loses. They both win or or they both lose. I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, but they're both losing tonight. I agree. I, I just got to be honest. I think they're both losing tonight. But you know, who knows? I hope they both win. Now, because it's they play it each other. To be, they would yeah. they would play each other if they both won tonight. That'd be so cool. Yeah, you know, you go into this tournament, you're like, oh, three Arizona schools in. That's awesome. This is going to be a great tournament. Yeah, we're out by by, by, by Friday. <laughs> like, the weekends, like by Saturday, all our three teams are gone. Like, how bad would that suck? It would suck. Uh, what's our audience say on this one? Audience at 42.9% going with the Sun Devils taking down the Horned Frogs and GCU losing. In second place at 33.5% is that both ASU and GCU lose. At third place, 17.8% is they both win. 5.8% say GCU wins and ASU loses. And our other question, this comes from John Gambadoro. If ASU wins tonight, 
Do they have a better season than the Wildcats who lost to Princeton in the first round? Your three options are yes, no, and they already had a better season. <laughs> it's a good question. Like it's it, like it is a good question. I'm not saying it's not. It's a good question. It made me think. Who had a better season? I think if ASU wins tonight, they've had a better season. I really I think do. They gotta, I think they got to get to the Sweet 16 to have a better season. They still get to hang a banner at uh, U of A for the Pac-12 Tournament I, Championship. I think anytime you're a 2 and you lose to a 15, it's really hard to say you had a good season. It's almost, I think it's almost impossible to say. Well, I'm not saying like, I agree, I agree, but it's who has a, who's had a better season. Yeah, and I think if ASU wins a tournament game and U of A doesn't, I think ASU has had a better season, no matter how f- much further they go. Okay, What's interesting. What's say? Yeah, yeah. What's now that is a poll question. <laughs> I knew that was Had coming. to break it out. Uh-huh. The audience is heavily in favor of yes. You'd have to imagine some ASU fans are in there at 74.8%. 20% say no, a win will not mean they had a better season than U of A. And a small 5.2% think that no matter what, they already have had a better season. All right, that's the poll question question you can find it on the burns and gambo twitter page at burns and gambo one word is where that's at in the meantime the arizona cardinals they are getting ready for a draft that is about five weeks away with all sorts of options in front of them with the number three pick overall in that draft and that includes trading out staying put how far do they want to go etc 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 bleacher report recently ranked the five most likely options for the Cardinals at number three. Some of these were very, very interesting. You want to go from backwards to frontwards, from five until one, Gambo? Yeah, I like that. I like that philosophy. Okay, the fifth most likely scenario for the Cardinals drafting third in the NFL draft is a trade with the Detroit Lions that they would move up from six to take a quarterback who eventually could replace Jared Goff as their franchise quarterback. They believe that to be the fifth most likely scenario. Now the Lions have, you know, Goff has two years remaining, but they could easily get out after this year, save about $26.7 million, only have a $5 million dead cap hit if they release him. Now he played pretty well last year and the Lions almost made the damn playoffs, so I don't know if they think he's the long-term answer or not, but they do have two picks in the first round, 6 and 18. You wouldn't give up both of them to move up to three, but you give up six and some other stuff to move Move up to three. They say it's you know not the most likely scenario, but one to think about. Yeah, you wouldn't be falling that far. You probably wouldn't get Will Anderson if you're the Cardinals. But Detroit does have a lot of inventory potentially to move in a situation like that. Number four, and this one's interesting because of the connection with Monty Austin Fort, suggesting that the Tennessee Titans make a big leap near the top of the draft, given the uncertainty about Ryan Tannehill. Right now, the Titans are sitting at number eleven, so you would expect it'd be a pretty big haul for them to move up to three. Well, this one's interesting, too, because his contract is up after this season, so it's not that he's under contract for two years where you say, I could draft a guy and he could sit the whole season. I mean, you could do a like a like almost like a Jake Plummer situation where Tannehill starts the season, and if things aren't going well, you could go with your rookie quarterback midway through. I mean, I remember the Giants did it with Eli Manning. Kurt Warner was the starter, and then about you know midway through, or maybe after five or six games, they went to Eli. 
So if things aren't going well for Tannehill, you could switch to whoever the whatever quarterback they would take. You could do it this year. Number three, the Atlanta Falcons trade up to get another quarterback, and they, you know Taylor Heineke. They signed him to be the backup there. You would assume they're going with Desmond Ritter, but I can't imagine they're sold on Desmond Ritter at this point. Factor in another story that Gambo found today, suggesting a very unorthodox trade between the Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons that would really shake up the draft. This one, and we talk about fascinating, this one is fascinating to think of something like this could happen between the Cards and the Falcons. Now, they mentioned that the Falcons have been like one of the rumored favorites to land Lamar Jackson, should he not go back to Baltimore, so why not go all in? They've got the eighth pick in the draft. They're not going to get any of the top four quarterbacks there. Make a deal with Arizona. Now, what they suggest is that the Falcons give up pick number 844 and then next year's first along with Desmond Ritter to the Cardinals in exchange for the number three overall pick. So that would guarantee the Falcons get one of the top three guys if they move up to three. And they've even got Ritter being the package where he could come and he could be the backup to Kyle Murray. Now, now keep in mind, this is a this is a different story, a separate story than the Bleacher Report one with the top five options. But this this to me is, is it's incredible to think about. You would get Atlanta's first this year, eighth overall, their first rounder next year, their second rounder this year, and Desmond Ritter, presumably to be your Kyler Murray backup moving forward, all in exchange for number three. That seems like a haul. Now, again, you move down to eight, you're not getting Will Anderson. And the stuff about Atlanta and Lamar Jackson is interesting because Atlanta, if I remember right, was one of the first teams that kind of came out and said, yeah, we have no interest in Lamar Jackson. So whether that's changed or not, I don't know. But that would be an interesting trade-up, and the Cardinals would move down to eight in that scenario. The second most likely scenario, according to Bleacher Report, is that the Cardinals just... Stay put. Take Will Anderson. That one makes a lot of sense, too. Yes. And that, I mean, that, that that's probably where a lot of people's money is going to be. They just stay at number three. They take the best pass rusher, a guy that's been absolutely dominant his entire you know, career uh, in college. And you're getting a guy that you could just be a, you know, a building block for your defense, for Gannon. And, you know, you don't have, you know, you, you don't have Zach Allen. He went to the Broncos. You cut Marcus Golden. J.J. Watt retired. I mean, that's, you know, you, you need some pass rush help. And this guy's been one of the best in the SEC for, for a few years now. So that makes a lot of sense. It's a big, it's a big outlay of money for the Cardinals to for, to go get a guy at number three because of the signing bonus and the guaranteed money and everything like that. But that's the cost of doing business in the league if you want a player like that. And then the number one option for the Cardinals' most likely outcome is the best. They just trade with the Colts. Colts move up one spot. Probably don't have to give up a ton to do it. Cardinals get extra draft inventory, and they still get Will Anderson at number four, assuming that it goes quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. This is a win-win all the way around, and I hope this is what happens for the Cardinals. Yeah, and I think you just got to play the bluff game. You know, all these other teams that we're talking about, you've got to make the Colts think that you know somebody's going to move up and, and take the third best quarterback. Now. You know, it's it all depends on wh- how the Colts value those two guys. Do they have Richardson and Levis close, or do they think there's a big difference between the two? If there's a big difference, they very well might move up to make sure they get the guy that they want. But I think that would be a draft day trade too, because you know we can't be certain that the draft is going to go 
for Young and Stroud or Stroud Young. It's likely going to be that way, but we don't know for sure. So, you know, unless they love three three guys. But I think you play the bluff game with them. You try to make them think that other teams are going to move up ahead of them, and then maybe they make that trade. And they wouldn't have to give up a whole lot to do it either. No, they wouldn't. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You could subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. A late addition to the program. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, the voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy. We just learned this is going to be his last season. He'll join us next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, home of the Phoenix Suns. And we certainly were not expecting to talk about this today, but we are. And we're very, very happy and honored that the forever voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, is joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line to talk about a story that just kind of crossed our desks about 45 minutes ago or so. And, and first of all, Al, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time on this Friday afternoon. We appreciate you joining us. How are you doing? Hey, uh, happy to be with you, gentlemen. No question about it. Thank you. Yeah, no, our pleasure. Gamble, go ahead. Uh, Al, I just, just want to ask, when when did you make the decision that this would be your last season broadcasting the games? Well, you know, this is kind of a surprise to me because obviously, and I think you remember, I was uh, going to retire last year. Last year was my 50th season, and, uh, you know, I, I was honored after 50 years in the league and, and uh, decided that I was going to retire then. And that was basically uh, what I had planned. And then uh, this past summer, before uh, this season started, uh, the Suns, for some reason we won't get into, decided that uh, they would like to still have me around uh, with my name, etc. And would I do anything? And finally, they said, well, would you do some home games or pick and choose, whatever? And that's when I said, okay, I'll have some more fun for a while and uh, I'll do some games. But initially, as I said, I'm kind of surprised that this is a surprise now because I had planned to retire last year after the 50th, and now it's 51. And, uh, and so uh, I think it's time for someone else to have as much fun as I have had over the last 51 years. So we'll see. Al, I had the pleasure of of catching the broadcast driving home last night after the show, and I remarked to Gambo just a moment ago on the air, the the passion and the energy in your voice, calling a game, making it feel as if it were the most important game the Suns had played. I mean, it, it sounded like it could have been game five of a playoff series, the way you were calling a mid-March game against the Orlando Magic last night. I, I'm, still a, I, I'm just so impressed that that, that was still there. I, I kind of made that note to myself. Does this does this attention now on you, or, or are you are you cool with it? Because now that it's out there, you're going to get a lot of attention. Now that we all know this is going to be your last year, are you you okay with the attention that you're going to get for this? Well, you know, I don't need the attention. And as I said a moment ago, it's time for someone else to have as much fun as I have had. And as far as 
the broadcast last night. I mean, I still love the game. Uh, you know, it's the only sport in the world that has a great play every 24 seconds, and I still love the game. I still love the players, and and it'll be fun going the rest of the way because, as you know, a lot of things uh, for the Suns this year are going to have to be decided here in the next six weeks, and I'm happy I'm going to be a part of that. But it's been uh, a great ride, as I like to say. Uh, my career is one that I've really uh, in, enjoyed. And as I said, uh, you know, eventually it's time to kind of, as I said, let somebody else have the fun I've had. And that's the way I look at it. Well, it's been a remarkable career. Uh, you, you, you're closing in on 90. Any any thoughts to what you may do in retirement? Any plans? Well, you know my favorite line, getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I'll probably just be coming to Suns games or watching or listening to Suns games or checking you guys out. I, I mean, uh, I'll always be involved in in sports and, and the NBA. I, I love the game. You know, as I've said so many times, uh, uh, what can you do in 24 seconds? Just watch an NBA game, listen to one, you'll find out. And I still love the game, and I certainly still will be following it and following the Suns, no question about it. How much have you enjoyed these last couple of years in particular, given the, the resurgence and the renaissance of the team and, and the success that they've had? i, I got to imagine for you, at this point in your career, knowing how much these games matter, that you've been probably enjoying this even more than we have over the last couple of years. Well, you make a good point, and certainly winning is a lot more fun than losing. And, you know, I go back with all the the great years, all of the the triple overtime playoff games in Boston and Chicago, and the great uh, games the Suns have had through the years. And then to see uh, the downfall, where they kind of went downhill and uh, were not a winning team, certainly uh, was disappointing. And to see them come back, the way they have in the last few years to get into the NBA Finals again and to be a part of that uh, obviously has been something special. And now to see that uh, even though, as we all know, we don't feel the Suns get the recognition nationally that they deserve, uh, they can uh, change that if they can finish strong and get into the playoffs and do, do something dramatic. Al, we all know what a championship would mean to to, to Phoenix. We all the, the, the Suns have been here since the '60s. They were the first. It would mean the world. But what what would it mean to you if they were able to get this done and win that championship in your final season? Well, it would be great, no question about it. Uh, however, I guess I look at. Uh my career, like uh, our good friend Charles Barkley has said so many times, that uh, getting a ring isn't everything, that a career you've had is more important. And whatever happens the rest of the way with the Suns, I certainly would look at it the same way because there have been so many high points and so many big moments. I mean, the Suns were one of the first teams to play regular season games out of the country. Uh, I could go on and on. Uh, but to win it all, uh, and this being my last go-around, certainly, obviously, would be something extra special that would be in my memory bank for a long, long time. 
Yeah. Well, Al, um, on behalf of everybody here at the station, I mean, I know we, we, we all see you and we talk to you. You appear on the morning show. Uh, just a, a thank you for everything that you've done for Suns fans everywhere, for the stories that you've told every single night. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. As a born and raised Phoenician growing up here in the 70s, you were the you were the soundtrack to my childhood, listening to those games and hearing you call them both on the radio and TV, and uh, I know I speak for Suns fans everywhere when we just thank you for your career, and we look forward to seeing how this journey ends this season with you, and and it's just been a treasure and a pleasure having you be the soundtrack to the Phoenix Suns for the last 51 years. It really has. Well, I I want you to know how much that means to me, because the fans uh, really are, are what sports is all about. And how they react and how they accept you, uh, not only as a player, but as a broadcaster. And uh, your words certainly mean a lot to me. Thank you so much. Well, we appreciate it. Al, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to hearing you the rest of the year, okay? Okay, see you at the ballpark. <laughs> you better believe it. Al McCoy, the forever voice of the Phoenix Suns, and a story that came out just about 45 minutes ago. This is going to be Al's final year as the play-by-play announcer for the Suns on radio. He's committed to finishing the season. Uh, and then after that, Gambo, this will be the final year for Al McCoy. It's the end of an incredible era. I know, right? Just, just the end of an incredible era. And, you know, I wanted to make that all about Al. And, uh, you know, he said it's, it's it's time for, you know, new blood and let somebody else have as much fun. And, you know, how big a fan I am of John Bloom. And I would expect that he gets it. And he'll, he'll, he'll carry on that tradition. He will. He'll carry on that tradition of a great play-by-play for the Phoenix Suns. But it, it, will, be, it will be odd not ha- having Al. And I remember this with Vin Scully. It's like it's so sad when, when the legends that you grew up listening to, when, they, when they're not broadcasting anymore, you miss it. No doubt. And I do echo your comments about John Bloom. He does a fantastic job. And I, I think that was the right. It was all about. Al. John Bloom does a really good job filling in for uh, for Al on those moments. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we'll stick with the Suns talk and let's talk about Devin Booker a little bit. Does he need a break? And if so, how much of a break is he going to get? That's next. Burns and Gambo.